You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello, everybody. This is the Modern Musicology Podcast that's coming through your speaker and into your ear. We are here with some great people. Rob, how you doing? Hello. Anthony, what's up? Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever the hell you're listening. <laughs> and Stephanie Seymour, what's Hello. new? Hello, everybody. This episode is going out on December 5th, and this is kind of a special thing for us because this is our one-year anniversary. Woo! Woo! One year. Who could have ever predicted that we would go a full year? So we're going to talk a little bit about that in a moment, but first, let's talk about what you guys have been listening to this week. Stephanie, you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, hey. I have been listening to the Fame soundtrack because I, you know, mm. I, because Irene Cara passed away, which was just like so sad. I think that that's I'm so upset by this because the soundtrack was like if I could have gone to that high school for performing arts, if I knew <laughs> that it actually existed in real life, I I would have begged my parents to move to New York City, into the city to, to, to go to that. Mm. Um, and she was just uh, like her character in that was just my, was my favorite character. And so those were just songs that I grew up with that I loved. And her voice is outrageous. Out Here on My Own is possibly one of my like top 50 songs of all time. Also, by the way, written by Leslie and Michael Gore, they wrote a they're the siblings, and they wrote actually a few songs on that, if not most, on that soundtrack. Um, anyway, so I have been listening to Irene Cara pretty much mm, nonstop wow. since I found out she passed away. Yeah, I we feel love like, you, Irene. Yeah, I feel like her career, like she deserved a lot more than she got. I agree. You know, her talent level is insane. Off and the I just charts. Feel like yeah, and I just feel like she never got, like it just never, you know, rocketed the way it should have. Yeah, like she had Grammy nominations and Golden yeah. Globes and all that, but I, I mean, of course, that was in the early '80s, and I don't. Yeah. I, she, she, she definitely acted after that, and she wasn't, you know, she did music and stuff, but it was never like that. That was like the yeah. powerhouse pinnacle of her career, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and even though she won two Oscars, I don't think that the broad palette of her career is really well um, yeah. appreciated. Completely. Yeah. She's, she's the best thing about DC cab, which I can't even believe we're talking about <laughs> DC cab. But I think when you listen to the, to her stuff for flash dance, right? Yeah. Putting which her with Giorgio Moroder mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. Yeah. And I, I think that if she had gotten in subsequent years, a better producer setup, the story would be different. You could be. But it's yeah. very sad. It's just very sad. Yeah. All right, Rob, what's been in your ears this week? So uh, this week, there's there's just so much new music out that my head's going to explode. Um, I'm going to recommend a seven-inch single from Topographies, uh, who are uh, a band from 
uh, I believe San Francisco or Oakland. They're in the, from the Bay Area, but it's, it's Tide and Arch are the two singles. And uh, if you're a fan of like early Cure or early Interpol, that's kind of where they are. Mm-hmm. Not really shoegaze, but kind of rocky. Uh, so I recommend that. And also, um, my new favorite band in the whole world is called His Lordship. Um, it sounds like um, if Jerry Lee Lewis was singing for the Swell Maps, basically. It's just loud and fun, and it's a rock and roll record. But they have a uh, new single out called uh, Living in the City, and uh, or I Live in the City, which is terrific. And then um, also kind of a record that came out, and I was a little late to the party, Black Belt Eagle Scout which is Catherine Paul. She's a multi-instrument performer uh, who is based in the uh, Swinomish tribal community. And um, so she is very integral in in bringing together this like sort of noisy, My Bloody Valentine kind of dense Hmm. kind of dream pop shoegaze stuff, but also very steeped in her Native uh, American cultural heritage. That sounds really cool. It's really, really cool. Super interesting. It's way more interesting than I thought, and I didn't even know because I never read the little press stuff that comes with the records until after I listen to the record, so I don't have any prejudgments. I was like, oh, this is cool. And so I learned that after the fact and maybe love the record even more. Wow. So, yeah, there you go. I, I forgot to mention, Rob, I learned something from your show, Juxtaposition, this week um, about a bit. Now, tell me if I'm saying it correctly. Is it Reyes Blood? Oh, Way's Blood? Ray's or Wise Blood? blood? Ray, yeah, Ray, W-E-Y. Okay. I think it's pronounced oh, Wise Blood. Oh, Way's Blood, that's it, that's it. Yeah. Way's Blood or Wise Blood, yeah. yeah. Way's Blood. That yeah. is so, I loved that. That was yeah, her so voice great. is amazing. She's awesome. So yeah. anyway, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> Everybody amazing. listen to Juxtaposition. It's an educational show. Hell yeah. More so than this one is. You learn anyway. things. No. <laughs> All right, A-dubs. Uh, well, I went to see on Friday night Wasp and Armored Saint. So <laughs> in preparation for that show, I was listening to, unsurprisingly, a lot of Wasp and Armored Saint. <laughs> and the nice thing about Atlanta being relatively far into their tour is you can go and look up the set lists on setlist.fm. And Dude, that's my playlist. favorite website. <laughs> Dude, it's awesome. So I had playlists of both of their sets just going on repeat basically between the end of last week and friday it was awesome speaking wow. that's a good like segue from our last podcast which was banned songs right a yeah bit and they actually did play animal fuck like a beast yes. which i was surprised they were playing it on this tour because mm-hmm. in 2009 blackie lawless became born again and refused to play it I didn't know that this tour. Oh, so and he had been taking the curse words out of all of his songs. You listen to any performance between then and this most recent tour. Hmm. Um, All the curse words were changed to things less offensive. So when they played Chainsaw Charlie and he got to the line, I'm the president of showbiz. My name is Charlie. I'm a cocksucking asshole. At least that's what they call me. I was very surprised when he actually sang those words and was like, oh, mm. the, the devil has okay. gotten hold of him again somehow. Yes, he's okay with cursing again. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great show and mostly what I've been listening to. And then I've uh, had a headache the last two days, so I haven't really been listening to anything. Why? <laughs> Not, uh, lack of sleep, mostly, and probably candidly 
you know, it was Thanksgiving, so there was a fair amount of wine, which I think has finally caught up with me. That's Uh-oh. true. I was just thinking because you were at a wasp show, but it was not the loudest show I've been to this year, but we'll get into that when we talk about our year end wrap up. Nice. Nice. Well, I think the the big thing like I haven't I've been to any shows. I really haven't listened to anything new this week, but the big thing that happened this past week was the live broadcast of the Elton John show from Dodger Stadium. And um, this being a pretty busy week, uh, it's a three hour show. So I ended up having to kind of watch it in chunks. So that's kind of been, you know, over like two or three days of this past week, um, I've been spending with Elton and I mean, it was a, it was a pretty good show. Um, he definitely sounds like he's 75 years old. Some of the songs came off really good. And some of them, you know, he just, he just doesn't have a way to sing some of the older songs, the, you know, in a 75 year old voice that, that comes up. Some of them he adapts really well. And some of them just don't fit that well. Yeah. And he mostly stuck to seventies songs. There were very, very few eighties or nineties hits. It was mostly seventies stuff. So, you know, when his voice was a lot higher and he had a lot more upper range and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it was mostly all the songs that you would expect, you know, most all of the big hits, the non-hit concert staples that he pretty much always does like have mercy on the criminal and take me to the pilot and those kind of things. He did those. A um, couple of big surprises in it was that Brandy Carlisle came out and did don't let the sun go down on me with him. Wow. Uh, which was amazing. Kiki D of course he wheeled out, Kiki D. And okay, so she is also 75 years old. So I was kind of looking him up just because she did not sound very good. I hate to say that, uh, but she just didn't sound good. So I was like, is she older than him? Turns out their their birth, they were born like two weeks apart from each other. So they're almost exactly the same age, but she just she looked great, but she just didn't sound very good. Bummer. I hate to say that. And then the first encore they did, he and freaking Dua Lipa come out and sing Cold Heart, which was the big hit of this past year where it took like three old Elton songs and mashed them together. And she sang a line, uh, you know, over those things. And that was, that was kind of neat. So it was, Hmm. it was a fun show. It was pretty good. Not, I don't know if I'd ever watch it again, but yeah. I just can't believe he's like last. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can believe it. It's just that, wow, that's pretty much the first record I, ever owned you know that i bought right. with my own money and it's just like that's so sad to think that he's just that old and we're all getting old <laughs> i know and his first hit was your song that was yeah. the first thing that really broke in america and that's around the time that i started really paying attention to like top 40 radio and stuff so i have been listening to elton john for as long as elton john has been elton john i mean wow. it's crazy and then in the right before the encore is like the last thing before the last song that he did, he he brought out Bernie Toppin on stage Ooh. because he's like, I would never be where I am now if it weren't for Bernie Toppin. And that was pretty cool. No, what an, an amazing partnership they've had. Yeah. The- yeah, exactly. All right. So guess what, y'all? <laughs> One year. We have been doing this crazy nonsense for an entire year. Isn't that crazy? Like I said before, this episode goes out on December 5th. Our first episode 
came out December 4th of um, 2020, 2021. I don't even know what year it is. Anymore. <laughs> 2021. So that was at the very beginning of December. We released four episodes that December. And I mean, we started this thing from like literally ground zero. We had nothing. We didn't have... We, we're not we're not famous. We didn't have any built in audience. We, you know, just put it out there just to see what listens we could get. And four episodes in that first December got a total of 23 listens. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a place to start from. But we have grown so much since then. And, and our audience has just like exponentially increased like every month. So I'm like, you know, absolutely thrilled. So I want to I want to kind of talk to you guys and just see, you know, what are some of the highlights from our past year? I'm going to kick us off. I'm going to say the best thing that happened to us this past year was Stephanie joining us. Oh, I was going to say that. That's too I figured nice. You, what the no, no, hell? no. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm serious. That that has that has been that 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 changed the game for us, I think. I'm going to cry. Yeah. That's and so nice. I, I was actually going to say it was kind of fortuitous that I got COVID and went, well, that I went to London and got COVID because Stephanie filled in for me. And oh. that's when we knew that she was interested in joining us on a more permanent basis. Right. Thanks for so, getting sick, Anthony. I know. Yeah. Thanks for coming. I was going to say, at least one, one, thing, one good thing came out of that. <laughs> was that, had I already been a guest on, on the show? Was that after that? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And you're, then, we yeah, interviewed you on our 14th episode. Okay. That was uh, the first. So I don't know if we ever, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but when we were first starting and I was like, hey, anybody interested in doing a music podcast with me? And Anthony and Rob both said, hey, I would love to. And we wanted a fourth person and we wanted a woman. And, you know, Rob said, hey, I know this. I know this lady. Yeah. And Rob her had sort is, of mentioned it to me in, yeah. the, in passing. And I her was like, is, oh, I don't know if I. Her do name it. is Stephanie. She's a drummer, Alan. You'll like that. She's a drummer. She used to be in a band in the 90s called the Aquanetas. She used to work for major record labels in PR and marketing. And I'm like, oh, my God, I want this person on our podcast. So, well, that's so sweet. And if it wasn't for Rob, I guess we, you know, thank you, Rob. Also, of course. Well, you, you, you took a little more coaxing to do it than I thought you were going to do it. Yeah, because you you know what? I didn't for I didn't have the vision of what this was. Like, I was nervous because I'm like, I don't really. Because you know what, you guys? I mean, I don't listen to as much new music as you do. You are all well versed much more than I do. So I was nervous that I wouldn't really have anything to talk about. But <laughs> since we do all these different topics now, I get it. And it's like I totally yeah. can contribute and I feel, you know, comfortable. And I was just nervous more than anything. Wow. Um, yeah. Cause I'm, I was like, why are you worried about this? You'll be great. Oh, shucks. <laughs> and you have been great well yeah i'm so happy to be part of it i really am it's like i look forward to taping all the time and i'm just like yeah. you know, i talk about it so, all the time and you know you did settle in not only to the podcast well but sort of in your in your unofficial role as den mother um <laughs> as well like hey i'm gonna do the instagram let's get this done you're, you're sort of you sort of t- took over and taken over the um well, you know, it's promotion in my blood, right? It's mm-hmm. the promotion mm-hmm. from the from the record labels, I guess, you know, makes me want to do that, you know, with everything I, I kind of have, you know, with everything I get my hands into. So <laughs> this is no different. And the the first episode we did with you, the one where we, you know, it was like an interview with Stephanie Seymour mm-hmm. was 
that episode did really well for us. And, and that was in our top 10 for the longest time. That was um, the girl groups one, right? I mean, that was you, that was called... the second time you came on with oh. the girl groups one. Oh, okay. Yeah, the first one we just interviewed you, and we gotcha. were like, "What was life like with the Aquanetas?" And you know, right, that kind of right. stuff. You know, it's so weird because that's that was like back in March, I think of the first. I think the first so. One. Yeah, and um, I can't believe it. It still feels to me that I've only been doing this with you for like two months. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Because time is, is an illusion and doesn't matter anymore. Right so. on. I guess so. Right on. So anyway, Stephanie, I am thrilled to have you as part of our little family. Well, I am so happy and I love you all. I mean, oh. totally do. We love you too. Mm. So, okay. So let's talk about some of the other highlights from the past year. Well, I'll tell you, that's a highlight. Anthony always saying that he's not really into Oasis yet. Like, Every other show, basically, he's talking about Oasis in some capacity. And and then finally admitting it. Yeah. That they're yeah. a guilty pleasure. Finally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> finally came out of the not closet. so secret guilty pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like I have to mention the big one. Yeah. Right. And I I know this is really Stephanie's big fangirl joy, but yeah. getting Gina on the show. I mean, like, how could we top, I, that's like how are we gonna top that ever? <laughs> I think that has, right. I mean, that definitely has to be the highlight for all of us. Just having yeah. someone of that kind of stature. In case is. anyone doesn't know, we had Gina Shock on this show. Gina from the Go Go's, who yeah. is my all time fabulous idol. drummer of the Go Go's. Yes. But not, so, as she as, says. but not as good as Stephanie. <laughs> you know, much better than Stephanie. But um, yeah, you're right, Anthony. I think that that's that was just an amazing. She was so is so charismatic and energetic and just like what an interview i mean yeah she ever everyone should go listen to that episode they, they will learn things yeah she was absolutely not what i was expecting and i kind of love that mm -hmm. firecracker oh 100 percent in the best way yeah and I, I feel so bad about that episode because it was terrible because the sound is awful and I had just had surgery and I was in so much pain and I was, everything went wrong. No. Like, like I knocked my microphone over and it goes <laughs> in the middle of a <laughs> sentence that she's saying. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. And but you know what? No, I don't think Pete, I think you are too critical of stuff like that. I don't feel, I feel like nobody noticed anything like that. No sound yeah. at the sound sounds fine to me. And you, I know you didn't feel well though. That sucks. But um, and I, I had a hard time like sitting in a chair long enough to yes. actually edit the episode. And <laughs> <laughs> well, she she's what we call in my line of work a big personality. Boy, that's the truth. Yes. Yeah, and you know, I remember when that kind of like literally fell into our laps. Yeah, yeah, Michelle, thank and, you so much. Yeah, and and then it was like, well, I think we can do it in. Then this was this was her. Uh, her rep, uh, Michelle, was like, I think we can do it in November. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's like six weeks away. <laughs> Anything can happen between now and then. And it, and it finally came off. So, yeah, that was, that was amazing. That was an amazing one. Also, I I would say, you know, the, the one that we just sort of reposted, the one with Ira Elliott from Not As That Harry. was awesome. God, that was fun. That was so he has, fun. He has such great energy. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I want yes. Ira to come on again, and maybe with Matthew, I would love that. Yeah, Ira and uh, uh, his band Not a Surf are starting their European tour tonight, uh, the night that we're recording this. It's their first 
first night, right? Yep. Yeah, they're kicking it off at The Garage in North London, which yep. is a wonderful, intimate little venue. It's kind of a little bit of a hole in the wall, but it's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. really, really fun because of that. And you're, you, the audience can get right up there against the stage. So I know those guys are going to have a great time. I, I saw Blaze Bailey, uh, ex-Iron Maiden singer there back in, I don't know, 2004 or something. Mm. And I, I just, I love that venue. Oh, that's so cool. So I think that uh, once their tour completes and, and he's back home, I, I think we should get him on again and, you know, yeah. hear all about the tour and everything. Yeah, that would be so fun. So what the episode amazing. we did with Ira was what makes a good drummer. And of course, Ira's a great drummer. So yeah. um, that's, again, everyone should check that one out. Yeah, that was a fun one. <laughs> I never get to talk about music with people because most of my friends aren't on that same sort of level. I know them through other different circles. Just being able to actually talk about music and geek out about it without having to like explain, and they sound like this. That sounds like Tibetan throat music with you know or whatever, right? Um, which which is great. And then you know the thing is too. I love the fact that I can talk about music and actually learn something too, which is mm-hmm. great. I I can't imagine. I didn't imagine that this would take off as rapidly as it did. Uh, not that I didn't think it'd be good. It's just I just thought that it would take a while because I, I, you always hear you slow slowly build slowly build steph knows because when you work a record yeah. you hear slowly build slowly build. but sort of after i would think after we got ken brown on we kind of got a little momentum and then mm-hmm. gina mm-hmm. really picked up from there so that that part of it was cool i you know i loved having uh so the first sort of official guest we had was nick griffiths who wrote a book um nick was great nick was yeah, great he was. And he wrote a book called Dead Star. And we got to talk about David Bowie, which is like, I can always talk about David Bowie, but I really liked having Nick on, sort of just hearing a different vantage point on, on Bowie than what Alan and I and Anthony would always would always go on about all the time. Um, I also liked it when we had Julianne Worden on because it was yeah. another female female guest besides Stephanie. And she was really interesting. So, and someone who travels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to hear music and travel. And she gets our podcast played in the Rick Steves office every week, which is great. Oh, cool. um, and I also, you know, I also liked having Tony Fletcher on just because he's written about so many different artists in so many different areas. Um, and just sort of, you know, the concept of writing about music, I think was really interesting. Um, and I love how we've sort of tried to attack what we talk about from different angles. It's not always like the star of the week. You know, we're always trying to like find something that like a lot of music podcast shows aren't really doing. Um, We had Ken Brown on talking about like, you know, what goes on when you go see a band like backstage and touring and stuff. And it was completely fascinating hearing about like the load in and the setup and all the behind the scenes stuff we don't know. Um, I also want to have him back, Alan, just because he did the Kanye tour this year (laughs) and some other things. So, oh. I, you know, there's a lot of stories that I'm sure he's gotten over the summer as well. Um, but yeah, we, but how how strong or how strict is his NDA from that tour? <laughs> oh, I don't even know if he has, yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I, I, we've been really lucky that we've had, you know, none of our guests have been like divas or just horrible or uncooperative. Yeah. You know, we, we've been really lucky that we've been able to sort of get people on that are interesting uh, and have a story to tell and want to tell a story and are personable. So that's been good. And we have some good ones coming up, P.S. That's right. But you know, uh, Rob, to your point about like do, doing th- things a little different than maybe some other podcasts, I like how 
you know, we we sometimes have guests and then we sometimes, you know, discuss topics amongst ourselves. You know, there's things that, you know, I definitely have learned, you know, what that whole Woodstock 99, I thought that mm. was such a great uh, topic to discuss, Woodstock 99. Yeah. And I, I learned so much from watching the documentary and the the three-parter and having a really interesting and in-depth conversation about, you know, yeah. problems and issues, stuff that, uh, I also would would say our girl groups episode, same kind of thing, like women and what they've mm -hmm. faced in the music industry throughout, you know, decades of, you know, um, whatever, you know, just some certain discrimination and stuff like that. I like that we sort of delve into serious things too, you know, serious topics. Yeah. I, I got to say, I think the the Woodstock episode is one of my favorite yeah. ones that we did. Yeah. I, I think that that generated a really, really fun discussion. Yeah. Yeah, I agree I, with that. I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed that. I, I do think, though, that one of the drawbacks of the whole podcast is that we don't discuss Sparks enough. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Rob, we, we have it on the docket for you and me to potentially do a, an Anthony and Rob solo Sparks deep dive. Hey, whenever you want. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I might actually have somebody we could get for that, too. Uh, if it's not Ron or Russell, I'm, I I'm was not. It's, it's, no, it's not. And it's not a member of France. Um, but, uh, Is it Jane Weedland? No, no, it's a friend. That, it's a friend that <laughs> Steph knows. Say that. It's a friend that Steph knows, too, that, oh. that actually like worked their records in real time. Oh. In like the late seventies and eighties. Oh, how cool! Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd be totally down with doing a a Sparks deep dive. You know, but we'll find we'll find a time to do it. Yeah, I think the other thing too, Steph mentioned we don't want to talk about stuff that, or that we're not afraid to talk about stuff that sort of is 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 relevant. But I also think that we've managed to do all of this without being heavy handed. Um, you know, I there, there's a film podcast that I love because I love old movies. But I cannot listen to the host longer than five minutes because it's got this like pretentious English professor sort of voice thing going on. And, I, you know, I just love the fact that we're just sort of all really down to earth about it. Um, and I think that's important because when you talk about music, there's a lot of um, apprehension that people have when they want to talk about music because they're always worried about what people think or what they like. And I hope that the people that listen to us, and this is one of the things I sort of kind of wanted to do, is the people that listen to us, I hope that they feel comfortable admitting that they like what they like and also feel comfortable talking about music however they want to talk about it. Hmm. Because in, the, in this world that is completely messed up, that is completely just off kilter and dystopian, music is the one thing that is a simple connecting force for people of different backgrounds and races and genders and sexualities it doesn't really matter who you are when you talk about a record you like and that's i just think that that's point. really important and i think the mm. fact that we do that every week is important so i think we help people make that connection and i think that's important and remember kids if i can finally admit that i kind of like oasis you can <laughs> like whatever you like to that's right <laughs> That is right. I want to give a special shout out to an episode that I really enjoy, but remains our lowest rated one we've ever done. And that is the the metal anniversaries 
thing that Anthony and I did oh, with yeah. Iron Maiden and Wasp. And I was so excited about it too, because I was like, well, these are two really great records that we want to talk about. And metalheads are so passionate. We're going to get this thing out and, and it's, people are going to love it. You know, all the metalheads are going to listen to it. And, like nope. nothing <laughs> really we got like Aww. three lessons <laughs> i mean it was like it was like i mean once we started to really take off and we were getting like good ratings on all of our stuff it's still sat at like eight listens oh no we have to we have and to i have no idea why, it, why no one wanted to hear that one <laughs> yeah come on this this included a band that's on the filthy 15 god damn it right exactly we should have yeah. focused on that more. Maybe the controversy would have got us more yeah. Yeah. or something. It's so, Jesus. so it's people <laughs> go listen to, go listen to that one. Also, I, I, I was going to say, I love their, the ones that we've been doing, like uh, the anniversary, uh, you know, 30 yeah. years or 40 or so, you know, albums of 72 with, which was with my husband, Bob Perry. I'll mention right. that. The man, the myth, right. the legend. That's right. That was a fun one too. Yes, it um, was. And you know those are those are always fun to review albums that have been out for you know milestone kind of marker years and just yeah. delve into years that you remember and then you know because once you start thinking about a few you know here's an album here's an album it's like a snowball effect and you just start remembering so many more things about those years yeah. and the, the the music you listened to and what you were doing I think that's so fun yeah. Yeah, totally agree. I, I really enjoyed those. And we're going to, we did four of those this year. We did 72, 77, 82, and 92. And we're going to, we're going to put those out again at like in December. We're going to run those like kind of special thing. So look for that. I want to talk through something that still gives me a, a little bit of a chuckle every time I think about it. And that was me absolutely losing myself at liquid shit. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> We should we should quantify that that's a band name because if they don't know yeah. the backstory, they're, they're going to think something completely odd that they shouldn't be thinking. Yeah, there's there's a um, I don't even know what subgenre of metal they are. I think they're probably like noisecore or something like that. Uh, band out of England called Liquid Shit, and we were looking at music Sorry. festival lineups, and I was reading this this one that was like Death Fest or something. <laughs> And as I was getting down this, the uh, the list of bands, I got to this one and I was like, liquid shit. And I think, I don't know, Alan, it must have been, what, about five solid minutes that I was laughing for. Oh, my God. That was the best. <laughs> that was so I just funny. I was the definition of can't even. <laughs> totally. That's too funny. Oh, my gosh. I just want to say liquid shit and not very good. <laughs> all right we're going to take a short break here promote one of our fellow eso network podcasts and we'll be back in 30 seconds to do sort of a roundup of the year of great releases so stick around we'll be right back what will you do when your child asks what were saturday morning cartoons what were saturday morning cartoons what's wrong with you or will you handle it the right way sit down baby girl let me introduce you to my friend mark mccray join dan clink and i on the best saturdays of our lives podcast as we take a unique behind the scenes look at the history and dynamics of animation with plenty of laughs along the way the best saturdays of our lives podcast is a proud member of the eso network 
And here we are. All right, let's talk about some of our favorite releases from this past year. Who wants to go first? Who's got like a good album or good single that they really want to pitch well, to people? I have I, lists. I, I have good. Lists. I have. I have. Yeah, I always have lists. Um, I do think, though, before we start any discussion of, of this type, we should just acknowledge and get it over with. We'll talk about the elephant in the room, Steph. You have brought the earworm of the year to all of us. Oh, man. Yes. I agree. Thank you. Heck Are you yeah. talking about my song, There Was a Time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, that what you, is that what you're referring to? <laughs> Available now. In, uh, <laughs> yeah, not the one on KTEL. But, um, no, I just think that we should all oh, acknowledge man, that you, you have the earworm of the year. And I, I honestly have to say, even if I didn't know you, that that song is still probably the earworm of the year, just in terms of me listening to lots of record. I'm like, damn, this thing is so annoyingly catchy and perfect that it's an earworm. And it, like, literally, like, when we do, when we log off the podcast every week, I still somehow have that song pop in my head as an earworm. Wow. So you, you have been sort of the one constant earworm throughout the year. And I just wanted to Thank you so much. And, and you know, Rob, you, I, I think you know that I think I told you this to you. You were literally the first person in the country that played that song on the radio. Oh, you, you, okay. you play, you were the very first. I mean, there were some very close runner ups that were second, but like you were first. So oh. thank you. That's okay. so awesome. And I'm, you got the ball on, rolling. Yeah. I was going to say, I want to pile onto that on the praise for there was a time because when I first heard it, I was like, this is very good, but it's not really my thing. Exactly. You know, yeah. I listen to a lot of really heavy stuff, and that is yeah. not this song. And I kind of let it simmer for a little while. And a few weeks later, it just randomly got stuck in my head. And I went back and I played it. And I was like, okay, all right, this is, uh, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. And then, like three weeks after that, it was on my favorite songs of the year playlist. And all oh my stuff. god! I was like, this is—it's so out of place because it's like wedged between Bloody Wood and Slipknot and liquid but, shit. <laughs> yeah, no, not, no liquid shit on, on my playlist. But it—it—it it, it made it to the best of 2022 uh, playlist for me. Wow! No, best of the songs that have been relentlessly stuck in my head in 2022 mm -hmm. playlist, which is far wow. less catchy as a playlist title, but you get the drift. Thank you very much. That really does mean so much to me because you guys, I really, um, you know, trust your taste in music and admire yeah, it. Thank and you. It is. It is by also technically not in my complete wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. It's much more in my wheelhouse, a little more probably than Anthony's. Yeah. Because um, if unless Anthony's ears are physically bleeding, he doesn't like it unless it's Oasis. <laughs> but yeah. it's it's yeah. I don't I don't listen to tons of like stuff in that sort of genre very mm -hmm. much yeah like kind made, of like pop harmony like whatever i don't know what i even call it but well, like it's not it's not that i don't i just hear very little of it that doesn't sound very much the same mm -hmm. and this yeah. sort of had that sort of beach boys harmony with that i was um, gonna say that, that it's very retro it but still sounds modern and i was hearing a lot of motown in it yeah, I, I think Ira gave that a good Motowny feel too with his drumming. I, Ira mm -hmm. Elliott from Not a Surf is the drummer on my that song, on my song, and Bob Perry played bass and guitar. So we had we had a really great cast of characters on that song. So um, my favorite quote about your song comes from my friend Marty, who basically said it was like she was dragging 
Zoe Deschanel by the hair behind her, teaching her how to sing a pop riff. <laughs> oh wow. 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 Oh my I get God. That. <laughs> and I kind of thought, okay, that's kind of cool. Sorry, Zoe. Because <laughs> it's, 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 it's sugary, it's retro, it's poppy, but it's not overproduced and really too slick. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. I went through, I, I, I have all of my streams go through Lost.fm, so it actually keeps track of how much I listen to everything, and mm -hmm. I can ask it to spit out uh, what I've listened to the most this year. So I actually took note of the top 10 songs that I've listened to so far in 2022. 10 seems excessive, so I'm going to very quickly go with the top five. Mm -hmm. um, so first up, Blood Bloody Wood with Arj. Porcupine Tree, Herd Culling, The Pineapple Thief, In Exile, Sparks, Good Morning, and then Arch Enemy, Handshakes with Hell. Oh. Um, so at least one of those feels a bit odd man out in Sparks, Good Morning, with the very kind of peppy piano-driven tune. But um, yeah, I've apparently listened to a lot of metal this year. I would I'm think actually, Porcupine I'm Tree would be your number one. That's, but that's what I was going to say. I'm surprised that Bloody Wood like knocked porcupine tree out of the number one spot and it was significantly so i mean wow yeah that that song Arj really got in my head because it's all about positivity and yeah. you know rising mm -hmm. up and being the best version of you and i was like yes but also i think they were they were kind of a recent discovery and you've been listening to porcupine tree for like a long time yeah about so i think the years. newness <laughs> of bloody wood was yeah i mean I, you know when we get to best albums of the year i think you'll see a slightly different order but this is purely mm. what i was actually listening to and how much i listened to certain songs yeah. i thought that was fairly interesting i'm not sure that's what i would necessarily pick as my favorite five tracks of the year but it's they're the five i've listened to the most yeah it's been you know i, I know we'll get to concerts in a minute i'm surprised how much music's come back um so quickly in terms of like concerts and and stuff that we can have these things again, like, oh, I like this album, I like this single, because it's almost like we've been so disconnected from the world for two years that having a favorite record again, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, because we all sort of got away from listening to music all the time because that's all we had, right? So for me, it was much more probably of an album year than it normally is, because I'm normally a song year person, but it's been much more of an album. For yeah, year for me, where I'm listening to more albums all the way through, um, just like it used to be. Yeah, which is great. I mean, yeah, it, it's like I've I've had to sort of readjust how I listen to music because I've just, you know, I would hear songs because those people that work at record labels always say, "This is the song. Listen to this or listen to this," and listen, you know, so you're trained like to go to the 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 focus tracks, right? Remember that stuff? Yes, um, I do. <laughs> so you have to sort of unthink that. Right. And I love the fact that we sort of deep dive on, on both songs and albums, which I think and is it, great. It's interesting you say that, Rob, because you listen to the trends that are coming out of the music industry and you only need to listen to artists speak. And it feels like a lot of people feel like the album is even less relevant than it ever was because you can go on to Spotify and listen to a track. You can go on to Apple Music and download a track and anything can chart. It doesn't have to be a single anymore if it gets 
a certain number of downloads, mm-hmm. it will chart. You even hear artists talking about, well, I think I'm, I might not do another album. I'm just going to release songs here and there, maybe two songs at a time. So it's felt for a while like the album has almost been a dying art mm-hmm. and maybe something that's a little outdated. So to hear you say that 2022 for you has been the year of the album is really interesting. You're, you're bucking that trend, my friend. Well, I think some of it too, I was thinking about this the other day, and some of it too, is I think we have to, we have to sort of say is almost by retro effect, the Beatles, because we've talked about the Beatles so often in the last two years, that people are going back and listening to the Beatles as albums. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that's kind of reset everybody's heads to that, right? Because they have to listen to all of Let It Be, or they have to listen to all of the White Album. And I th- so I, th- I think that's part of it, too, is that we're, we're, li- we're starting to talk about older music more. Do you mean as a society or just on the show? I meant as a society. Because um, I think we kind of just talk about whatever. But I think, I think there's almost two strata of people, too. There's the regular people that are just like bull in the wool, spend five hours in a record store or or at home listening to music and just going down the rabbit hole and seeing where it goes and then wanting to learn more. And then there's just sort of the, I just want something on to keep me busy. And I think those are the folks that listen to the streams and the one or two, three hit things, right? Uh, But I still think there's enough of us old dinosaurs around that Mm -hmm. like albums, right? And want to hear different things from point to point and hear the musical journey that the artist has made. Cause I think that, you know, out of respect, if an album, if an artist takes the time to make an album, if, if I'm just going to listen to one song on it, that's kind of not respecting all the hard work they went into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think about like, sorry, Alan, I think about sparks and it's like, how much great music would I miss out on if I only listened to the single that was on the sparks record. Right. So there's lots of bands that are like that. Um, yeah. And I think that's and, important. And some of Sparks' best songs weren't even singles. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. And that's how it is with so many bands. I mean, that what you know, what you end up loving is not the single. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. The single, in quotes. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so what are, some of the, what are some of your favorite albums from this past year? Whether it be new releases by a new band or, you know, something from an old band that's got re-released or something. <sighs> Steph wants to go first. What I have two. <laughs> Yay! And they're really they're probably the only two albums I've listened to this year. But um, and you know what you know what I'm going to say. Number one, it's Daniel and Waz album Player Piano. Mm-hmm. Um, what again, we have no idea. Who what? are you? What? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Came out of left field. Um, but it's true. <laughs> it's a beautiful instrumental album, piano, uh, obviously all, all on piano, moody, um, retro-y, if that can be a thing for a piano album. Um, it's just a really evocative, beautiful album, and I love it, and I always listen to it. Um, the other one is Arcade Fire. We just love it. Uh, and that's another thing. It's like, a, talk about like kind of, totally polar opposite kind of sounding albums, but I feel like it's so inspirational and it talks uh, inspirational in that it talks about issues that are relevant today that really speak to me. Uh, I feel like they are like very aware of the anxiety and the, the trauma going on in the world. And they just really, they really communicate that through this whole album. My favorite song is, 
End of the Empire, which is an amazing sort of like nine minute four parter. And the, and there's a lot of really super cool videos that go along with those songs that I think people yeah. should watch. And they did a fanzine that comes with it too. Yeah. Which is awesome. I mean, they, yeah. didn't, they didn't hold back. Yeah, that, that's on my list of stuff for the year too. I did sort of listen to it when it came out and the world was just so bogged down with everything that I'm like, I can't listen to this right now. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. And then I came back to it now that it's sort of the, the pedals off the gas a little. And it's it's really, it, it's a, it's probably the best concept album of the year. Um, yeah. The, they're, they're maddening in that, you know, if you try to, again, want to play a song on that on the radio, you've got to navigate, am I playing part two, part four, part five? And then when people Yeah, they have call, a lot of different, yeah. And then people parts. are like, what, why is it an anxiety two? Why is it an anxiety one? Why are you playing two and not one? It's like, just shut up, right? <laughs> um, so they, they definitely do what they want to do, which is great. Yep. I have a top five. Do it. Because of course I do. And then I have so five, top five new albums. And then I have a shout out for some reissues. So unsurprisingly, my album of the year, the thing that was highly anticipated after this band had not put out new material in 13 years <laughs> was Porcupine Tree with Closure Continuation. Now, yeah. I do want to actually emphasize here 13 years because they actually split up for a while this this isn't a metallica situation where they just take an absurdly long amount of time to write material um but just having them come back and put out what was a really strong album was just uh, that was just so good i uh, and then actually going to see them tour that album was just ridiculous and it's so strong i it could is. listen to almost any track on that and be extremely happy it has very quickly become one of my favorite porcupine tree albums mm -hmm. i yeah. think it's i think it's amazing it's easily up there with um dead wing for me yes absolutely all right my number two arch enemy with deceivers <laughs> which is a lot heavier than something i would have previously had on this list but I don't know, something about it just really captured my mood this year. I think maybe coming out of the pandemic uh, has put my put me in a slightly darker headspace. And so Alyssa's harshly growled vocals have really resonated. But that's been a really good listen. Uh, standout tracks, Handshakes with Hell, as I already mentioned, and The Watcher. The Watcher is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> I think I had that on repeat for about a week. Yeah, she has nice. a sick voice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number three, Bloody Wood with Rackshack. I honestly think this is one of the most important things to happen to the heavy metal scene in years. The idea of taking something like Indian folk music and fusing it with heavy metal is just so interesting, so different. And I loved every minute of it. Number four, Ghost with Impera. I mean, it's a ghost album. I'm not going to not like a ghost I album. I was going to say, I knew that would be on your list somewhere. Yeah. And then number five, Ailstorm with seventh rum of a seventh rum. Because who doesn't like pirate metal? <laughs> That's right. I, I just mean, learned about this from you, pirate metal. It, it's so stupid and yet <laughs> so enjoyable. <laughs> I love a band that does not take them seriously in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. So, right on. You know, good for them with just being absurdly meta, absurdly silly, and just generally not giving a fuck. And people need to see that video. Yes. Yes, they do. Um, 
couple bubbling under, so some special honorable mentions. Uh, Marillion with An Hour Before It's Dark. Mm-hmm. Long way off my favorite Marillion album. Didn't make my top five, but still worth a listen. And talked about it a couple of weeks ago, the, Slip, uh, the Slipknot album, The End mm. So Far, which mm. is just, yeah. to me, you know, if you told me 20 years ago that Slipknot would be making an album that sounds that mature, I would have told you to get the fuck out. <laughs> so... <laughs> That gets an honorable mention as well. Now, re-releases, and I know Rob might want to chime in here as well, but the Sparks, uh, 21st Century Sparks re-releases, they released their first five albums of the 21st Century in special packaging with additional tracks, everything from Balls to The Seduction of Ingmar Bergman. And they're superbly done, and they've really helped me basically discover an era of sparks i wasn't too familiar with and i love i learned that i really really love uh lil beethoven and hello young lovers as albums they're just so weird and out there and we're gonna do a song that basically has no beat because fuck you we can <laughs> it's it's amazing and i i've really enjoyed listening to those and a few of them were released on vinyl for the very first time as part of that reissue so i picked up all five and they've been a blast all right you you two have gone on about sparks like every episode you (laughs) so i'm gonna bring up something that we used to talk about every episode that we haven't mentioned in a long time blast from the past recent past at least so my favorite release of this past year DVD came out in, what was it, February? It came out in February, Summer of Soul. <gasps> Buddy. Take a drink, dear listener. <laughs> yes. Well, they're already drunk from all the Sparks mentions. So yeah, still... <laughs> obviously, but take another drink or just right. down your drink. If, if you point. haven't got this DVD yet or haven't seen the documentary on wherever it was streaming, this is the music film of the year. I love it so much. It is just packed with great performances and cultural context, you know, moments from the year that it happened that tie into the music. Oh my God, it is just brilliant. So if you have somebody on your shopping list for holiday gift shopping that is a music fan, get them this DVD. They will thank you for it. That is so, such a great pick. And I would just like to give a super shout out to my friend, Rocky Collins, who is an executive producer on that film. Really? And, yep. Um, one of my, one of my you very- You know all the coolest people. Well, I know Rocky because he's my friend Kate's husband. And Kate and I went to, well, we went to school when we were very young together and we've reconnected very tightly over the last few years. And- wow. um yeah and so it's it's just a wow i was just blown away by that film it is literally like just one of it it skyrocketed into my top 10 favorite films of all time because you couldn't it's like man i wish i was there i wish i had been there so badly just to see all those amazing performers Mm -hmm. and just that vibe oh what a great film it sure was um everything about it was so well done and you learned so much Mm -hmm. it wasn't just about listening to great performances Mm -hmm. of really good songs you learned so much stuff about what was going on at the time and how the how this festival was put on i mean it's just it's just and like also why did you not really hear about this festival when you right i mean like hey exactly (laughs) what i mean 
I'll say what a crime it is that that yes, got buried for so long. But how grateful are we that the, the footage of it finally came out and we actually get to see this thing? Yeah. God, it's amazing. So there you Super go. Super pick. Summer of Soul. Super pick. <laughs> and Sparks. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I did want to give a shout out since we're talking documentaries to the Sparks Brothers, which was <laughs> it was an so amazing, good, amazing. To, yeah, it really this, was. Yeah, this year was the year where I watched I think more music documentaries than mm -hmm. I watched in a long, long time. And yeah. you know, between that, I, I don't think it came out this year. But how do you mend a broken heart? The Bee Gees documentary. Yeah, uh, the Woodstock '99, which Steph already gave us a shout out to summer of soul that there have just been some really yeah. good music documentaries well there's <laughs> also the, the the abba documentary is really mm. great and oh, I, I haven't seen I, that one yet and i've got two new ones um the Sinead o'connor nothing compares to you documentary i haven't watched that yet which you will not think of Sinead o'connor in the same context again mm. you may still have the same opinion of her or her music but you will have just a different understanding of where she is and where she's coming from mm. The other one is based on a book called Meet Me in the Bathroom. And it's all about the sort of New York movement of the early 2000s. Like you get the Strokes, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, the Walkman, Interpol, all these bands that were sort of like coming out of New York at the beginning of the 21st century. Sort of the um, reigniting the city after 9-11 type of thing. And um, yeah, it's pretty great. That sounds, that sounds great. And the book is great to too. That. The book is great too. So... <clears throat> Yeah. Um, there's also another new documentary that just came out, um, about Lizzo, which I almost watched this afternoon. Uh, so I was going to talk about it tonight in our, what we've been listening to this week, but I just didn't get a chance to it because I was trying to finish up Elson also, but I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm not a big Lizzo fan, but I, I, I think she has a really, really important story to tell mm -hmm. and I can't wait to hear it told. I think people underestimate her because she's yeah, totally a virtuoso yeah. flute player and no yes. one seems to know that. They just think they that, just freak out know. when she handles a, a former president's flute collection. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Rob, you something you said reminded me of an amazing book that I read. Um, it's called Nothing But a Good Time, and it is about the uncensored history mm -hmm. of the mm -hmm. 80s hard rock movement. I've yeah. been um, reading that. You are my so my yeah. friend Tom Bojor and wrote that at, with uh, Rich and Richard Beinstock. And I interviewed him. Oh, okay. There you go. So, yeah, um, yeah it's really <laughs> it it brought me back because I have to say that I was so into that scene. I was all about it. Um, uh, I used to you know frequent the Cat Club all the time in New York City, which was where all those bands, what kind of bands played. Um, mm -hmm. And I was just I was so into that scene, and it, it just brought back so many funny and good and wild times memories yeah. for me. It's so funny to read those like first person accounts of bands like Motley Crue when they yes. were nobodies. Yeah. You know, when they were just playing that sort of like San Fran scene and, you know, they're making a name for themselves on that scene, but nobody knows who they are outside of that. You know, right. they're just playing the whiskey and places like that. And, and it's just great to hear it. You know, yeah, that, and, and like them all these talking, different 
like who gets signed before who yes and like, and their their rise to when they start to really start to catch on and, and they start to rise to fame it's really a fun read and how even then like you know they were talking about how eddie van a lot of people mentioned yeah. eddie van halen eddie van, van halen van halen like they were sort of just right on the cusp of you yeah. know of being huge and people were trying to strive for that kind of Although they were sort of in a different category, clearly, mm. um, just musically, you know, too, obviously. But um, yeah, it's, that, it was just a great read. And it's a real fat. It's a big book, but it's a fast read. And I highly mm -hmm. recommend it. And it's, it was also interesting, too, to see uh, like Don Dokken and, and how many different things he was involved in. And it's I, I really love hearing um, when there's an account of something that happened, but everybody thinks it happened a different way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. You, and you get all these, you know, well, that guy's a fucking idiot. He doesn't know what happened. And th that guy was like, well, this guy doesn't know the whole story either. And it's just. Yes, it was. It to, was put together really well it, in the way the really stories was. were told. Yes. Yeah, it really was. I love the Mickey Bernie book uh, from Lush called Fingers Crossed. Um, it's an interesting perspective on sort of the heyday of like that nineties alternative music, like time span when like anything that was like alternative on like commercial alternative and, and indie radio was like hip because, you know, Lush were a band that was fronted by a female. So at this time you have a band fronted by a female sort of like knocking on doors that were traditionally being knocked on by men at the time. And hearing her sort of talk about her going through fame and everything is really interesting. That book cool. is great. And the Bob Stanley's Let's Do It book is just phenomenal. It's sort of about the early years of pop music. So if you want to hear about music from the 30s and 40s and before we started getting like rock and roll, that's really great. So circling back to albums and stuff, I, I still think my favorite album of the year is one that came out like in January, which is interesting because the records I loved this year were ones that came out like early in the year and they just sort of never stopped. So like Beach House did this crazy thing where they released a four sided album <laughs> of stuff. Like they clearly had plenty of time in the pandemic to make an album, but it's called once twice melody. And it's kind of like they picked up, they picked up the mantle where the Cocteau twins left off and just kind of ran with it, but put like a little more pep in, in the step. Um, but it's just, it's, 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 you know, psychedelic, but it's also ethereal, but it's also like just mellow and it's great. Um, so that record's fantastic. The, the, you know, the wet leg record is still a beast. I mean, they're going to, they're going to, that, that's a record they're going to release like every song on as a single probably. Um, but that thing has got wheels and it hasn't relented. Like they're still selling out shows. Right. They're yeah. playing. They, 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 they just play the album. They don't have anything new. They're playing 50 minutes and they're still selling out. Yeah. So it's pretty incredible. Um, also, the Fontaine's DC uh, with Skinny Fia uh, or Skinny Fia. Uh, they're getting ready to tour with the Arctic Monkeys. But that record's also just really good. And that's a band that really sort of took everything and went up a notch. Um, and then, Alan, we talked about this a lot. The early part of the podcast uh, when we started doing this, but all these bands that used to be around are back again, right? So we've got like Simple Minds just put out a new record. Midnight yeah. Oil put out a record this year. We have all this, everything old is new again, right? Mm -hmm. But 
um, when we all heard that Tears for Fears were putting out a new album, oh, none yeah. of us expected the tipping point to be like, wow, this is amazing. Like, yeah, it, it was a great, great record. Um, it's still a great record. And it's yeah. like, uh, I kind of revisited it this week because like, I haven't listened to this in months, but mm-hmm. it's a great record. And it's not, um, it doesn't fall down that like psychedelic hippie dippy trail they were in for a while. It's actually got, you know, some some melodies and but some I stuff like to that that sort of I, psychedelic I do too. yeah yeah I like but they, some of the stuff they were doing is like really like almost too mellow or almost too tranquil yeah, yeah. well i think and i don't mind it being album. mellow yeah but, it, but this one it seems a little more fleshed out it's like mm-hmm. it's like they took the ideas they really wanted to do and fleshed them out right um so so that's what? great one of my favorite bands from way back when put out a new album, and that's The Fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Which, yeah. I, which I really enjoyed, but I do think the Tears for Fears one like kind of tops all of those quote-unquote legacy bands coming back to make, an, make new music at this time. I think they, mm-hmm. they just killed it. Yeah, that fixed record is great too. It, it really does feel like a lot of those kind of 80s new wave era bands push out new records this year. I mean, you mentioned Tears for Fears, you mentioned The Fix, you mentioned Simple Minds, mm. um, Aha as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they've not been really away though. They It's not like they haven't yeah, put fair. out new albums. Yeah. yeah. Soft Cell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's one no one expected to happen. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All right, so I've got a I've got a thing that I want to mention because I've this came out I don't even know when um, it had to be okay. So I, this comes from Ira once again, Ira Elliot from Not a Surf, who has been mentioned copious amounts of times on this, <laughs> on this show, um, on this episode specifically. This it feels like he's here even though he's not here. So, um, but he posted a video of a song that a couple of his friends did. He posted this in September. So I'm guessing that that's about when it it came out. Um, His friends are Ian Lee and Sarah Sargent, and they put out this song called I Am a Robot. And I have been obsessed with it ever since he posted it. Remember you talking about that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and this is something that they're... It's not anything that's available that you can download or stream or buy or anything like that. They're they're looking for a record deal, but they put this song out on YouTube with a really, really cute video to it. And I was like, I played it and I'm like, holy shit, this is great. And I played it over and over. I played it almost as much as I played your song, Stephanie. Wow. So that tells you I played that song a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, wow, that's awesome. But I, So I can't wait to hear yeah. what more they have coming out and can't wait for them to get a deal. Can't wait till this is in a place that I can spend money on it because they deserve to have money spent on them because this record is so good. So cool. So I just want to say, you know, be on the lookout. I don't, I don't even know what name they are going to be releasing stuff under. Mm-hmm. Like they won't, it won't be Ian Lee and Sarah Sargent. It's going to be some like band name or, you know, act name or something. Yeah. I don't know what that is yet. So, but I will, I will report back when something develops on that scene. But that, that song, I am a robot. Holy shit. I loved it so much. Awesome. I, I'm like that with every track on the spiritualized record. Everything is beautiful. Mm. I listen to literally, the Always Forever With You one off of that, I've listened to like a lot. And it's yeah. it's a perfect sort of 
melancholy. I, I, I didn't honestly all do melancholy this year, but just kind of uh, worked out that way. But it's like nobody makes really great sad records like the guy from spiritualized but they're also like painfully uplifting at the same time it's infuriating um so yeah that's another ear, earbud like year-long thing too mm-hmm. i found out that there's all these amazing bands in san francisco and oakland going down that's like it's like a, a sort of this like under the radar map of bands but there's two bands i love this one called art sick um which had a thing called fingers crossed and then um Probably my favorite band name of the year, Kids on the Crime Spree, uh, Fall in Love, Not in Line. They both sort of fall in that sort of like mid-80s, early 90s, like what they would call twee or jangle pop kind of thing going on. Um, But they're great. And the production on them is really nice. Uh, Those records are great. Um, I'll stop talking about the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's new record. Um, Cool It Down. Grammy-nominated record. Mm -hmm. Um, That's right. Uh, I, I think Anthony and I talked about this a little bit. British Sea Power are now known as Sea Power. They put out a really great record this year as well. Yeah. Um, there's a new dry cleaning record that's great. There's a band from Chicago I love called Horse Girl um, that made a great record. And uh, Hang on. Did you say just dry cleaning? That's the yeah. band name? Yeah. They're called dry cleaning. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing, Anthony. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> Their new album is called Stump Work. And, um, of course. No further questions. <laughs> and they have a song called "There's a song called Gary Ashby." It's just a song about a guy she knows named Gary Ashby. Um, yeah, they're great. Okay. Wow, modern music. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> am I right? We need to get a double bill with dry cleaning and liquid shit. <laughs> well, um, the horse girl record versions of modern from and horse girl. Yeah, You'll love their type. You'll love the. I, I found out today there's there's a band called Real Estate. So I'm thinking of yeah, the headliner of Real Estate yeah, from, dry cleaning. Sounds there you amazing. Go. Real Estate's from Jersey, um, <laughs> and they're, they're fantastic too. All right, very quickly before we wrap up, I did want to give a shout out to shows because we didn't really touch yes. on that. Um, yeah. You know, I, I only saw four shows this year. I, I know Rob was at like 27 million. No, Jesus no, Christ, he um, went all over the country to see no. shows. But of the four I saw, I mean. Two of them played with backing tracks, two of them didn't. And the two that didn't play with backing tracks were, in my mind, a lot better. And mm. I said that before I knew that they played with backing tracks. But Sparks, 100%, best show of the year for me. That I've, I've said it before, that was almost spiritual. And, yeah. you know, I saw Porcupine Tree. I saw one of my bucket list bands yeah. Yeah. in Radio City Music Hall, and yet, I still think the Spark show at the Eastern in Atlanta was a better show. That's amazing. That said, Porcupine Tree were my number two. And then Wasp and Armored Saints and then Bloody Wood were in last just because it was too goddamn loud. Guys at the Masquerade, mixers, (laughs) bring it down a little bit. It's not fun if I can't hear the music because it's too loud and it's blowing out my eardrums. Right. Sparks was our first show after the pandemic. Um, We went to Chicago to see them. The night they played in Chicago, every venue had a show every venue right so they ended up playing in this like greek orthodox cultural center right which was a it used to be an old movie theater so it's beautiful but it was absolutely probably the two most upliftingly beautiful hours of music i heard all year right it was just i can't explain it the only person that will understand it is anthony it's like going through nam together you sort of (laughs) 
you know, it's it's a thing you experienced, and if you didn't get, if you weren't in on it, you didn't. And Alan, when they tour next year, you're gonna go see him with me. It's gonna change your life. I almost think he shouldn't go with either one of us. I almost think he should just go on his own. But yes, if you go with him, go with him. So well, I'll be go, there. <laughs> you can go with me. Yeah, or you, I mean, or you can just be in the same place as me. It was amazing, right? Um, also, I saw OMD in Atlanta, and I've seen them a couple times. And you know, they they still use a drummer, they still use a bassist, and even though they're sort of like the closest thing we have to Noi or Kraftwerk, their live show was amazing. Um, circling that back in a comp- oh, and craft. I saw the Kraftwerk show this year. Um, that was just the problem is is like I saw these other great shows, but they weren't Sparks. The Kraftwerk one was really, really frigging close really close it was like every, I, I just thought i'd see robots standing there like playing keyboards but it was it was fantastic I, and i saw nick cave with warren ellis just both of them the night after sparks so that was sort of shifting the gear the other level it was so uh incredibly intense and powerful that you you were you knew you were seeing an artist who had his son die and was still in pain and that this was like almost like a release for him, right? Um, but then you get the sheer musicianship of Warren Ellis with it, which was great. I talked about Godspeed, you Black Emperor. They were great. Who else has a rotating film projector unit travel with them, which is fantastic. And then the, the, probably, the probably the last big sort of big, big like arena type show I, I saw was the New Order Pet Shop Boys tour. And I did not expect New Order to sound as good as they do. Uh, Bernard's voice is pretty much shot at this point, but the other the other members of the band kind of pick that up. And while they're not as good as when they had Peter Hook, they are still interesting and they're still doing some kind of cool stuff with doing new arrangements of their songs. And, um, you know, the Pet Shop Boys sort of have this like thing down of like you hire a theater person to basically set up your show. So you have a visual presentation that makes up the deficiencies that it's just you and a guy with a synthesizer, right? Or two two people with synthesizer. So all of those were great shows this year. And I do want to say on, on the heels of that, go see local music. Wherever you live, there are great local bands making great local music. Go see your local bands. Even if it's a cover band, if it's just a guy with a guitar or a girl with a guitar, go see local music because they need your money more than ever. I did go and see a local band. I went to see a little band called Jerome Newton, the band that fell to earth with a <laughs> uh, someone who is on this podcast playing drums. Yeah. Alan. That was a good show. Yeah. That whole, that whole, it was like five different acts that was supposed to be last January for Bowie's birth slash death days. And it got, because of a COVID surge, got pushed back to May. Oh, I, it, it was funny. My, boss was in town from North Carolina and so I took my boss with me and he wasn't that familiar with Bowie but I didn't quite warn him mostly because I didn't know that there would be uh, a drag queen Bowie tribute act which he was like well that's interesting (laughs) I I mean she's really good so I'm not complaining right (laughs) (laughs) all right so I guess that's it for our year now, we've still got a couple of shows this year coming up with some great guests. Um, but, you know, this is that was this was a good first year. Yeah, I got to say yeah. this was a, has been a lot of fun. Thank you all so much for 
you know, making this a special year. And well, thanks to everybody who's listening, obviously, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, we, we love you all. <laughs> Thank you so Indeed, much. Yeah. We think you're yeah. really cool. Please we keep do. listening. <laughs> and, you know, do us a favor and drop us a note once in a while or, you know, leave a comment on a post somewhere and let us know what you think of a particular episode or topic or comment that's been made or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Let us know Actually, what's on your mind. Alan, I, I would encourage if anyone wants to hear us talk about a certain topic, yes, let yep. us know as well. I mean, Facebook, in, Instagram, which Stephanie is <laughs> expertly managing right now, drop yes. us a comment on one of those saying, you know, you'd like us to hear hear us talk more about the deathcore scene and liquid shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stephanie. Yes. People what? are on the hunt they're looking for you where can they find you okay you can find me on Bandcamp. uh you can find me on facebook at stephanie seymour music you can find me on instagram at there underscore r underscore birds and i also have a website thereirebirds.com and streaming platforms all over the place all over the place rob where are people going to find you uh, right now in my apartment. No. Um, <laughs> and so you your address find- is. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not doing that again. Um, <laughs> um, so, no, you can find me on uh, KDHX in St. Louis, um, which is 88.1 FM. Um, if you go to the website, kdhx.org, you can listen online. All of the shows are archived for two weeks. So if you can't listen on a Wednesday night from 7 to 9 Central, you can listen before you're trying to fall asleep or if you're trying to wake up or whatever you want to do, you can the streams are that way. And if you're curious about what it is, if you go to that same website, you can click on all, all any show and all of the playlists are archived. So you can see what you're getting into before you listen. And then your ears will thank you. Uh, so you can find me there. You can find me on the needcoffee.com uh, weekend justice podcast as well. And on um, Facebook. And for now the, the Twitter. <laughs> When are we going to start our official modern musicology Mastodon platform? <laughs> Have you looked at Mastodon? We're not doing Mastodon. <laughs> no. It's indecipherable. We're, we're not right. doing it. Right. Uh, all right, Anthony, where are people going to find you? As always, you can also find me on the Watchers in the Fourth Dimension podcast, where we are watching our way through all of Doctor Who from 1963 until now and then discussing it. We are currently... Right at the end of season 12, Tom Baker's first season. Uh, so we're at the part most people actually recognize. And you can find us on all of the usual podcasting places, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, etc., etc., and probably wherever you're listening to this. Um, you can also find us on social media at, at Watches4D, Instagram, Facebook, and as Rob said, for now, Twitter. And if you want to follow me personally... I'm on Instagram at at Englishman in ATL. Very, very nice. Okay, so I would I would really love it if people would go to my website, cosmicpress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com. You can see all the books that I've written, the books that I've published, and a list of the podcasts that I am involved in. So it's not many. No. No, no, you know. Only like I've four. got so much free time. Um all right, so we'll be back next week. We have a guest lined up. Hopefully that will happen. And 
We'll see you then. Have a great week. Keep rocking on. And happy anniversary to all of our amazing listeners. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Thank you.